just past 7 o'clock. It's Monday night, and we are ready to go. It's time for Ira on Sports. Crew Oldies Channel, I'm Mike Balsamo, and... Here we go, Ira. Three games left in the NFL season. I know it's uh, starting to affect you. Don't tell me this. <laughs> I swear. I'm sorry. It's starting to. I, I mean, after this weekend, I, my friend has a seven-year-old son, and his this kid was so excited to go to Disney World. And I talked to him before he went to Disney World, and he had it all mapped out. And he said, "How oh, he's going to do this, this, and this, and this is going to be the greatest day of his life is to go to Disney the weekend. It was going to be the greatest thing." And then I'm like, you know, I told his dad, I go, you know, he has such high expectations. It's not going to, I mean, I, I don't think Disney World's that great, but even <laughs> then, I just, I think it's not going to be that great thing. It's going to not work out. Well, the kid went to Disney World. I talked to him afterwards. He was like, it was better than I ever thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how I felt about this weekend. It was better. Insane. It was unbelievable. It's like you had four games Everyone came down to the last minute, the last field goal, and then culminated with like the greatest game. Like, can each game top the previous game? And that's what was amazing. And I had high expectations going into the weekend, and it just, it just exceeded anything you could ever imagine. I'm with you. My expectations were through the roof. Maybe it was because we had a little lackluster first round, but I was looking at these matchups like, man, this is going to be some great games. And we got lucky. This was. Arguably the best weekend of football I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I can't even remember. I mean, I went through like the last 10 years and there was oh, always a blowout. There was always one game that was like a 40 to 10 or 35 to 6. And I mean, the Tampa game looked like that for a while, but then to have that comeback like that, it was mm-hmm. like, oh no, we have to have a close game. It was just, as I said, it was just a crescendo of just game after game, four games. All just close, all deciding, everyone you can dissect on its own. It's just amazing. That's what we're going to do today. We have we have almost an hour of just NFL football today. And, I mean, that's still not enough to cover it all if no. you want to get that in deep. Um, where were you? We know, we know where your hangouts have been the past couple of weeks. I went to Tampa for the game, drove over Sunday morning. I, I was impressed that I was able to make to Tampa and back on one tank of gas, which was pretty impressive. But I got there early for the game, went to the store early, picked up what I had to. It was so cold. Like, I mean, when you're seeing the 30s, you know, coming across the state. And, but I was excited for the, I mean, I was, I think, I have to say this, and I don't want to criticize, I know to HIPAA fans, what we don't have to call, take calls, but I, I was not impressed with the Tampa fan as much. I think that they were not into the game early. I think what, it sounded on TV, it was now, when it gets down as much as you did, but I just expected, like, oh, this is a home playoff game. Like, this is really important. Like, this is this is crucial. This is a big thing. And I just didn't get the feeling that this was, like, uh, you know, amazing. At the Super Bowl uh, hangover, maybe? I don't know if it's Super Bowl hangover, but I know that within the fourth quarter with six minutes to go, like, there was nobody around me. Everybody had left. So the point is, like, wait a second. This, you have the, the 49ers who, I mean, the, I'm sorry, the Rams who just blew a 17-point lead to the 49ers two weeks ago, and you have Tom Brady who's come back from every deficit you ever could imagine. <laughs> I don't leave. Like, things can happen. And it's like, this is your last game. It's not like in the middle of the September, October. This is the playoffs. This is the, like, the, you know, I just, you know, I guess going to Steeler games, maybe I'm spoiled because I've been to so many Steeler playoff games. Way different fan base. And it is, it is like the finality. It is like, this is it. Like, this, it used to be, you know, this terrible towel thing. Myron Cope was the person who came to the terrible towel. And he said, you're not allowed to use the towel until the playoffs. So well, you weren't <laughs> even allowed to use it. And then he said, okay, for this one Monday, night game you could use it then now they use it for every game but the point was it used to be the towel was only brought out for the playoffs and that's where the intensity was you would never see Steeler fans leave early you would never I mean it was 
like it was such it, it was such emotion. You know, from the uh, immaculate reception game when they won when they, they, they thought the game was completely over. You know, the Steelers you could never leave. I don't know. I just I felt I just I felt the fans a little bit in the fourth quarter got there, but I just you needed that fans from the beginning. I mean, I was at the Chiefs game the previous week against the Steelers. Those, I mean, it was like from the moment the Steelers, I mean, it was like definite. Yeah. In that. But that's Arrowhead. Yeah, Arrowhead's crazy. But but it was, I think they needed that. And I feel like, I feel bad for the Bucks because I think they needed that lift a little bit. You know, when they when they weren't playing well, I mean, they really needed a, a lift from the fans that they really get. Maybe it's just Tampa Bay fans in general. You know, they have a bad rep, Ira. I mean, the Rays are consistently in first place. They don't draw at all. Then, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they say it's one of, like, the best home arenas in the NHL. So maybe it's just the fans that are not completely, you know, into the product. I don't know what it could be, but that is part of their reputation. <laughs> well, we'll Let's talk about uh, Andrew Catalan, who will be joining us right about 7.40. He got to do something this weekend that he very rarely gets to do. I Well, he broadcasts. He's one of the, the broadcasters for CBS Sports. So he calls the games, and you're always the one who t- calls and tells me which game Catalan's <laughs> he's on. So good. And, and he's good. Uh, and he's on this game. He's on that game. But you know, he was, uh, as I said, the, you know, only the first two uh, announcer teams get the— or actually the first one would be, would be mm. Jim Nance and Tony Romo. And Romo got criticized today left and right yes. for everything. So um, people would wish that Andrew Catalan was doing the game. So he, he does college basketball now. So he was off this weekend because there's no big college basketball games. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk to him about 740. Let's go to the game itself. Any issues uh, for you getting tickets, you know, getting situated? I know you love the parking, so that wasn't an I issue. love the parking. I mean, you park right next to the stadium. It's unbelievable. But I bought my ticket like three days before. It was like the team put out. I was waiting for tickets on the resale, and then teams put the team put up these tickets at face. And it, I sat literally 50-yard line, row W, so like 22 rows up, perfect seat, and it was amazing. Like, I again, I just couldn't believe how lucky I was for a few hundred dollars to sit on the 50-yard line for the Tampa Bay game. And, and uh, it was it was great just to go into the stadium. Now, I wasn't in the club, but I, it was fine because it was the first game, so I wasn't, like, missing a game. Like, the only problem was after the game was over, I had to get my car. I missed the whole first half of the Buffalo Chiefs game because I'm trying to rush to someplace to go watch the game. It was and hard th- to get out. That was the NFL's fault, too, though. Literally, the game's ending as the next one starts. They need to give a little bit more time, yeah. especially when one game's... But, but no, I think it's, again, it was... Uh, it was just, I was surprised that they, you know, they were selling a lot of uh, uh, the sweatshirts. Like, I, they were, it was cold. I mean, when that, at three o'clock, you know, it, it got, it was, it, it was cold. It was, it was, I've been to Tampa, what, for seven, eight games. I mean, a mm-hmm. Dolphins game, it was the coldest game I've ever seen in Florida. I mean, I <laughs> felt like I was on an ice rink, in ice rink for that. It's 7-11. This is Ira on Sports on the True Oldies channel. Don't forget, you can follow along with Ira all across social media at Ira on Sports. At Instagram, starting to really uh, crank. So check us out. Give a follow at Ira on Sports. Let's talk about the game, Ira. Well, I think one of the things, and, and I love Tom Brady not making excuses, but they, he was down his right tackle, Tristan Wirfs. Which I knew that was huge. Wirfs playing or not was what I was going to you know, determine who was going to win that game. And it was announced right before the game that he wasn't going to mm-hmm. play. Because there was a question where he possibly, because he had practiced for two yeah, He days. wasn't even doubtful. He was questionable. And that's why that was my betting. <laughs> if he played, uh, you know, I was going to take the Bucks. But by the end, so the Godwin, Chris Godwin, torn ACL, doesn't play. Antonio Brown quit the team. But during the game, Ty Johnson, one of the wide receivers, got hurt. Uh, they also had Dar- Darden, the, the guy, he got hurt from returning a punt. And Ronald Jones Jr. was out, the, the running back. They actually brought in John Brown, who I wasn't even on a team all year, to be a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they literally were down to two wide receivers by the end of the game, Scotty Miller and Mike Evans. Uh, but it was, but Fournette was back. And I think that was good. So it was interesting. But, you know, again, that's what Brady says. He doesn't make excuses. He just, they go out and play. But that beginning of the game, was 
he just could not. He did not have the time to. He was throw. not in a rhythm at all. There was because yeah. he, he could he didn't have time. I mean, he was trying to throw it to Brate, throwing to Miller, Gronkowski. The Rams drove down, and and Stafford completed nine of his first twelve passes, 176 yards. And the one thing was, you notice how Odell Beckham Jr. was getting involved in this game, and Cup. It was everything, and Acres was running. It was. It just seemed like their offense was just. It, it, usually, these West Coast teams come East and they struggle. This game is. It looks like Tampa went West Coast. I mean, it was. It was crazy mm. how they were able to go in terms, of, and then. You know, it was 10 3, uh, and then the Rams threw that 70 yard pass to Cup, and was, and, and, which is a foreboding of what's going to happen later in the game. And then the Tampa Bay gets the ball back, you know, ten, two incomplete passes to Evans, three and out and punt. And then uh, Tampa had the ball, and Tampa had a nice drive. And so I listened to satellite radio, and Tom Brady has a show with Jim Gray, and he ta- they, and they ask him a question about, do you, you think you get the benefit of the calls? He goes, no, but I complain to the refs all the time, and I think they should call me for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Well, that was like the promo, and they kept running it and running it and running yeah. it and running it. And I'm thinking, some ref is going to hear that. And what Hockley mm-hmm. uh, called called uh, uh, Brady for unsportsmanlike conduct for complaining about a complete late hit that gave him a busted lip. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny how that worked out. Um, yeah, this game just got away from them so quickly, but I was really – their resiliency and the fact that it was Ben don't break from that team that really just looked like they weren't – they didn't look like a playoff team in that first half, And but they, they, they started turning it on. Remember the Super Bowl against the Cardinals at the end of the game when the Steelers looked to play bad and James Harrison – it was it, it was so similar to that play is that the Cardinals fumbled the ball like on the one-yard line and Harrison picked the ball up. And with ran no, the distance. And right? ran the distance. Yeah. Now, in this case, they didn't run the distance, but it was 20-3. to three. It looked like it – was, it was before that, Brady just threw another interception throwing to Gronk. Like it was a terrible pass. It looked like, oh, my God. Gosh, like they're going to go up twenty-seven to three at halftime. Another like twenty-three, like the Super Bowl with Atlanta and and New England at twenty. And he's and Acres gets down to the one-yard line. They ruled not a fumble, not a fumble again. Review forever. Then they suddenly ruled a fumble. If they just get a field goal there, twenty-three-three, uh, it's almost over. But then at twenty, you're thinking it's going to be twenty-seven-three, whatever. But th- that fumble, I think, gave some life to Tampa. But you know, in the first half, it was just it was uh, it, the, the two hundred fifty yards to hundred. It was like double. The yardage, time of possession, everything. Complete disaster. And you're amazed. It's just amazed that Tampa was still 17 points down in the game. Like, it could have been 30 or 35 points. And I think, you know, you wouldn't have probably realized this, but social media and everyone talking wasn't counting Brady out. And maybe it's because, you know, you just mentioned Atlanta. You know, maybe it's because he's done this before on the biggest stage that nobody was saying, well, the Bucs are done. Everyone was saying, what's Tom Brady going to do in the second half? Yeah, but in that second half, the Rams punted the ball. I mean, the Tampa had punted the ball. Bad punt. Rams were returned. And they actually got it, you know, like on a short field, like 28 yards. And then they were able to score, make it 27-3. So it's waiting for 27-3 in the first half. It's 27-3. And then Tampa has this 10-play drive. And it, and it was 4th-11 from the 13. There's a few minutes to go in the third quarter. And everyone thought they would go for a field goal. A touchdown and they kick a field yeah. goal. I was that was, surpri- it was, it was surprising r- to me, but it was the right call. It yeah. worked out perfect. It was 27 <laughs> 6. And then what do the Rams do on their next play? So now, if you're the Rams, this is sort of like the Atlanta. Like, all you have to do is just sit on the ball, like Little League Stafford like takes the snap. <laughs> I, I think just get a couple first downs yeah. and really do nothing or just let the clock run out because you're up three touchdowns. What does is, what is Cup do? Fumble the ball. Mm-hmm. So Cup fumbles it and uh, and then Tampa gets the ball. Fournette has a good run, 27 to 13. So now it's now, instead of three touchdowns, two touchdowns. And the Rams, what did the Rams do? They go three and out. And I looked at it, it was 21 seconds on the plays that they had. So they go three and out. And then Tampa gets the ball back. Brady fumbles the ball. And you're like, okay, game's over. And then what is, and then the next play, they 
Stafford than Stafford. He wasn't even ready for the ball, which is, again, what were they thinking? <laughs> like, first of all, why was he even in a shotgun position? Like, why not just be careful, like, just run the ball? I, it doesn't make any sense at all. No, that's... It was very weird play calling, and yeah, like you said, eight was an exaggeration. They could have got four probably first downs and killed the clock on this game, but it wasn't the case, and next thing you know, here, here we are. And then Tampa, but again, Tampa almost, they kept giving Tampa chances, and Tampa, it wasn't like Tampa had to be perfect because, of course, Brady had the fumble, and then Tampa goes out on fourth and 14. He throws it to Evans on the weirdest play. Have you seen that play? So they threw it to Evans on the one-yard line. He was pass interfered with, but they said it was an unnecessary roughness after the play because the ball bounced on the ground so instead of they said it was on a fourth down play the ball then was on the other it was not a first down it was just four, 15 yards back Rams ball so so now that's two possessions in a row Tampa would they desperately need to score they're still down two you know still don't do anything the Rams come down there they miss a field goal so that field goal there made it would have made it 17 with like six mm-hmm. minutes to go game's over they missed the field goal and then Tampa comes down I'm going to tell you how crazy this is Tampa comes down fourth and nine with four minutes to go Brady misses a pass to Brady. You're thinking, okay, four minutes ago, they're down Finally two guys. That's when everybody starts leaving the stadium. I'm like, don't leave, don't leave. I'm trying to block the entrances. Like, please stay. <laughs> what happened? And then, then what do the Rams do? They go three plays in 30 yards in like 30 seconds. And that's where Brady then threw this perfect pass to Evans to make to cut it to one. But still, there was like three minutes to go. You're thinking that Tampa's burn all their timeouts. Like, if they just get one or two first downs, this game's over. What does Akers do in the first play? Fumble. I mean, it's just <laughs> unbelievable. And then Bucks go down, you know, third and 10, Brady to Brady. And that was the weird one was on third and 10 on the 18, Brady threw to Brady and they ruled it a first down. And then they changed it to fourth down, and it was a whole controversy. Mm-hmm. But if they had kept it first down, the clock would have ran, and I think more time would have gone off the clock. Then they gave it to Fournette on a fourth down play, and he runs it in for a touchdown. But that gave, and we're, you know, certainly you only need 13 seconds to score. But that would have given Stafford less time in order to go to go to you know for the go back for the field goal to win the game because that tied the game at 27-27. And I thought it was funny. We're all criticizing the swim kick. Oh, there was no swim kick in the Chiefs Bills game. But the Tampa didn't swoop kick. They kicked the ball. Mm -hmm. And then the first Stafford gets sacked. And then Stafford threw like a 20-yard pass to Cup. And I was sitting right when he threw the pass. And Cup caught the ball in the middle and just literally darted to the ends, to, to the sideline. And then, of course, the long pass to Cup. And this is what I'm going to give Stafford credit for. When all the pressure was on, we talked about Dak Prescott the week before. I have a video on my, I show, put it up on my Iron Sports Instagram page. Stafford runs down, gets the team organized, and they say so at four seconds. But I thought when he completed it to Cup, I thought they were gonna. There was no time. Like I saw the clock. And I'm like, he's never gonna get down there. The team's never gonna get set up. You know, this is if this was Dak Prescott. You know, it would have been over forever. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I, I think that's what he did. The fact that he ran, sprinted the whole way down. I mean, Odell was like celebrating a little bit yeah, about the pass, and he's like, he someone screamed at Odell, like, get over there. They were screaming, and they knew the team knew the offensive lineman. They did everything that Dak Prescott and with the the, the Cowboys did into to get set up to go down the ball and then kick the field goal. No, it, it was really impressive. The entire play. I mean, Cooper Cup did go basically untouched. I think it was uh, Murphy Bunting who was on him. It, blown coverage. It was, you know, set up for them. But, you know, they did everything they could in the game to lose up until about that point. And then they, they did what it took to win. 
No, I mean, it was just, it was so, I mean, it's so deflating because you really felt like, I mean, Arians even said, the coach of the of the Buccaneers said, I was just waiting. Like, you felt the momentum, just get it to overtime. And that's where I give Sean McVay credit to some extent because he did go for it. He did, he sensed that everyone thought, oh, 30 seconds to go, I'm just going to sit on the ball, play for overtime. He didn't play for overtime. Maybe Tampa thought he was going to play for overtime and they let up a little bit. And it just shows you got to play till the end. You just got to play to the end. Absolutely. 720 Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel, uh, Mike Balsamo, Andrew Catalan of CBS Sports joins us at 740. And don't forget to follow Ira at Ira on Sports. Let's go to the first game of the week, Ira. And I was really excited for this one because, one, I'm falling in love with the Bengals. It's hard not to like um, Joe Burrow. And, two, seeing Derrick Henry back on the field for what seems like it's been a century. So let's talk about this one. And Henry ran well, but, but again, maybe they should have went to Foreman more. I mean, Henry looked good, but on a couple key, he looked tentative. And maybe it was too much to expect him to come back after being out for at least two months to come back and play so well. And, I mean, it was a situation where Tennessee's offense was struggling in the beginning of the game. The first quarter, they had four drives, 15 plays, 30 total yards, but Cincinnati, just like they did against Oakland, they just were getting field goals, not the not touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And of course, when they play Kansas City, if they expect to just kick, yeah, Evan McPherson's not th- winning the game. That's that's like playing cards when you're getting the other guys getting the aces and you're getting yeah. twos and threes. Like you're not going to win that with that type of game. But uh, uh, the Tennessee, you know, Tannehill made some passes to AJ Brown. There was that controversy where they scored a touchdown. It was six nothing. Made it tonight at six six. But because there was a penalty on the uh, on the extra point that they were able to get you know quicker and they went for two i mm-hmm. thought that was a little weird to go for two and not for because they were closer i yeah it didn't I, make sense I, I don't i won't go for two early but the whole game was just tennessee sacking burrow i mean five they had five first half sacks and four second half sacks and it's just amazing that burrow was able to survive the game and not even have turnovers on the whole thing uh but it was nine six at the end of the at the end of the first half the bengals had 214 yards to tennessee's 129 and it just it was it was like one of those things where bengals could run the ball but they're still up nine six but in the second half yeah that's where Cincinnati came out, had a really nice drive. Nixon had that beautiful cutback run to make it 16-6. And then Tannehill throws an interception. Uh, but Cincinnati goes three and out. And Tannehill then threw this 40-yard pass to A.J. Brown, kicked a field goal, made it 16-9. But then, uh, and then, but then there was, you know, you know another, and then Cincinnati threw the, you know, inter- the one interception where P-line had the ball dropped off his hands. That was a mess. But, uh, and then Tennessee scores, make it 16-16. But at that point, at 16-16, it was like Tennessee had, uh, they threw it to A.J. Brown, was a huge pass. They had fourth and one on the 53 for a 53-yard kick. But they go for that, that first down, and Henry gets stopped. They, they were afraid to kick the field goal, mm-hmm. but Henry gets stopped on that first down. And that was, that's all on Derrick Henry. The play call is correct. He goes east and west trying to juke in the backfield. You're the biggest running back in the league. Run north and south. Run through alignment. You just needed one yard. We talked off air. Tannehill would have done better than that. You could have, you should have just snuck it. If he's going to dance in the backfield when he needs one yard, that's an awful call on Derrick Henry's part. And then Cincinnati couldn't do anything with the ball. They get the ball back, and Burrow is sacked again twice. I mean, Simmons for Tennessee, I mean, their defensive line was unbelievable. Un- unbelievable. Again, giving and gave Tannehill like perfect field position just to go, to, they had to go 20 yards, get the field goal, win the game. At six, you know, just 19 16 call today. What does Tannehill do? Throw an interception. It's he had like, some really, really bad That throws. was a bad one where Eli Apple, who everyone, if you're a Giants fan, you've never seen Eli Apple make a play. Cincinnati comes down, and that's where now when Cincinnati drafted Evan McPherson in the fifth round, 
they're like, you're drafting a kicker in the fifth round. But anyone who's followed the Bengals all year, he's had five game-winning kicks. It's been amazing all year. And he come and kicked the 52-yard one for the win the game. It's yeah, University of Florida product. You know, the rumors are today that once, but before the play happened, Evan McPherson went up to Joe Burrow and said, we're going to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> that is some confidence from a, what, 21, 22-year-old kicker in his rookie season. I mean... Good for him. The kid's got ice in his veins. But like you said, you're not going to beat the Chiefs like that. You know, the stat of the game, there are two stats. Uh, two stats that sacks. Tennessee had nine sacks for 68 yards. Nine sacks. Nine sacks. And Cincinnati only had one sack. But how about this? Tennessee on third down was one for eight. One for eight. I mean, how do you expect to win a game when you're one for eight on third down? That was just terrible. A lot of poor Tannehill throws contributed <laughs> yes. to that. And it was just, it was like one of those things. And, and, uh, I just think going, you know, going forward, it was just I, I, Cincinnati, great win. Burrow was amazing; he's tremendous. But you just got to throw. And then, but if you're Tennessee again, Tannehill didn't perform enough to win the game. But you're like, what are you going to do? Are you going to replace Tannehill? Like you had the number one seed. He's great. He's going not great. He's a good quarterback, serviceable. But it's hard yeah. to think who else is going to. But if you're going to beat Mahomes, or you're going to meet Allen, or you're going to beat Burrow. The AFC's got some heavy hitters at quarterback. <laughs> you're going to have to play better. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The Miami media today is you know, crucifying him because he left the Dolphins and, you know, and, you know, they're bringing up the debate like, you know, is he not, like you said, is he not the franchise quarterback? This team still, I mean, he put them on his back this year. He didn't have gaudy numbers. He didn't have great games. They won games though. And that's a, that's what Mike Vrabel and, and, and they didn't have Henry for, when they lost Henry, people said their season's over. They still got the number one seed without Henry at running back. Yeah. So Tannehill had to perform well. I think yeah, I, there's a I think there's a huge loss to compare the Tennessee loss to the Green Bay loss, which we're going to get right into. As I think they're totally different. I think people were surprised that Tennessee was the number one seed. I think there was a question about that, but I think that there's no way to compare the two the two teams in terms of the losses, in terms of what it was. I mean, to me. It was a bad loss for Tennessee, but you could. We talked about. It. I predicted Tennessee was going to win the game. I could see the path for them to win the game. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse for the Green Bay loss. Well, I think another reason that the Green Bay loss is even is worse is because any person you talk to in this country was convinced Green Bay was just going to crush San Francisco. They're they're having this amazing season. They're you know they got home field advantage. The Super Bowl goes through Green Bay this year, and I think it was just. I think the fans overinflated this game more so than. The analysts and people who actually know. Let's talk about this one, though. Aaron Rodgers, you know, you talked about Tom Brady taking accountability, whereas Aaron Rodgers did the exact opposite. And this is why he rubs people the wrong way. No, I mean, that first drive goes right down 7 nothing, And you're like... Wow. I mean, there's no way. Because San Francisco said, uh, Shanahan goes, we're going to have to run the ball 40 times. Well, if you're down 7 nothing on the first drive, like this, this game's <laughs> going to be over. And uh, But again, the, the Green Bay comes down. Mercedes Lewis fumbles the ball on, his fifth, on the 50, the tight end for uh, Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost that upset. Like you saw when that fumble happened, like all the things that happened to, to Tom Brady, you don't, you know, he's upset, but he doesn't. I mean, he you know, looked at Mercedes Lewis as like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this to me? Like yeah. his, his body language on that was terrible. And then, uh, but San Francisco, that first half was just, I mean, there was a point, as I said, six, they had, they were 0 for 9. They were, they had no first downs. They had nine plays uh, for ne- ne- what, negative seven yards. They were getting nothing done. But but see, Green Bay was just not producing. We're not even doing what Cincinnati Fickles. They weren't even scoring any points. So it was like that, it stayed at 7, 7, 7 the whole time. I mean, with six minutes to go in the first half, San Francisco 
and completed their first pass. And uh, then Jimmy G was able to drive them down. And you're like, okay, they're set to drive down. They get it down to like the one, and then he throws an interception. Mm-hmm. And then what does then finally, and that's when uh, Green Bay throws that great pass to Aaron Jones. Rodgers does. They get it. And then they, and the, but then the key thing on special teams, they get the field goal blocked. I mean, there's a question was if, if, if uh, that pass was maybe better, Jones sort of slowed up. I, it was so weird that play. Like I thought when he threw it to Jones, Jones was going to run for a touchdown. He's fast and he had the uh, defender beat. But when then they were set up for the field goal, the field goal is blocked. And you're almost like it's a victory now that they were able to be seven nothing at the end of the first half. It totally should be a victory too, though. I mean, like you said, they, they weren't looking good. And going back to Ryan Tannehill, you know, sometimes with Jimmy G, it looks like they're winning games despite his play. And typically that's not Tannehill. It was in, for Tannehill pretty much um, this weekend. But, you know, Jimmy G, he's got his flaws as well. Let's uh, continue going on this game. Yeah, in the second half, San Francisco finally goes down, gets Debo Samuel is running the ball. They, they had some interesting plays with that. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, the running back who I had my fantasy team this year, ran great. I mean, just they ran hard. People do not mention Mitchell, but he's tremendous for that team as much as Samuel is. And uh, they were able to get a field goal with Robbie Gold. I remember Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold kicked field goals at Penn State in 2000, 2001, 2002, and some of the coldest games. So then he went to Chicago to play. So if there's any kicker that's ever been born to kick in bad weather, it's been Robbie Gold kicking at Penn State and the Chicago Bears. But the second half, you know, they make it 7-3. But all I see, you know, Green Bay, three and out, three and out. That's all they were able to do. It seemed like, you know, totally, you know, what what was what was happening. And, and, and Rodgers got some bad sacks. I mean, you saw Rodgers get sacked situations where you saw Mahomes and Allen were, you know, avoided. It's almost like Rodgers was at slow motion sometimes letting the defenders from San Francisco tackle him. And uh, then then the key play of the game, I thought, was in the fourth quarter. San Francisco got a first down pass from Kittle. It was fourth and one at the, uh, with six minutes to go. They're stopped at the at the 19-yard line when Rashawn Gary uh, uh, stops, uh, was it Mitchell? I think Mitchell yeah. ran the ball. Stops him on fourth down. So I think game is over. So Green Bay gets the ball back. Jones goes off the middle for nothing. Then Rodgers throws a bad pass to Adams. And then Rodgers is sacked. And it was like, it was just, he didn't even try to get away. It was like a weird, and then they let, they were rushing, and that's when the, you know, the punt gets blocked, and I kept saying in my mind, something crazy has to happen. Like, San Francisco is not moving the ball at all. Something crazy would have to happen. That punt block, one a was, special teams touchdown. A <laughs> special teams touchdown, and it was so weird. It was blocked. Like, no one knew where the ball was. I, it was like, they're all looking at the air, because they could have all turned that into a safety and not a block. And then, but then Green Bay gets the ball back, scores 10-10, and you're like, okay, 10-10, Rodgers is going to come, drive down. This game's going to be over. Everybody relax. He's just going to – we saw these quarterbacks all weekend long drive down. But three and out. I mean, he had uh, Rodgers to Adams for four yards, Rodgers to Cobb incomplete. And then on that third down pass when he went like 40 yards down for Adams, double covered, Lazard was wide open in the flat, doesn't mm-hmm. throw it to him. And then San Francisco gets the ball back with 320 left on their own 29 and just makes play after play after play, just going, driving down there. The, the, the drive that you'd expect Green Bay to have yeah. and put themselves in a position for Robbie Gold to kick the field goal to win the game. Um, speaking of Robbie Gold, you know what I mean? Uh, never missed a playoff field goal in his career. What do you think about Chicago? Like, wh- how did Chicago get rid of him? Have Cody Parkey then missed that field goal for them that would have, uh, I guess it was the NFC Championship game, would have sent them to? And Robbie Gold's over here, you know, four or five years later, still bombing field goals and perfect in the playoffs. <laughs> 
you know, I feel though, I, I don't know, because Robbie Gold was tremendous. I mean, we went in there and they saw, they showed that when Green Bay was warming up before the game, that was a good picture of Gold. Like they were doing the pregame introductions and Gold was still kicking field goals. Like, right, the Packers were all standing around yeah. him and he was Kicked still over the, over the midline. But I gave these stats last year about Aaron Rodgers and I have been, I might be the only person, I felt like I was the Pied Piper of, I don't think he's played well in the playoffs because I remember, besides the Steelers at 2010, since then, in 2011, he lost, he was the number one seed they were 15 and one better than this and they lose to Eli at home <laughs> then then they lost to Kaepernick away and then the next year he lost to Kaepernick at home so he's, he's lost to San Francisco two, four times four times four yeah. times but his cap so he loses to Kaepernick at home then they lose to Russell Wilson away then he lose to Carson Palmer away in the playoffs and then he uh and then he lost to Atlanta Matt Ryan uh, away and then uh when but he was when they were down 24 nothing doesn't make the playoffs in 17 or 18 and then you have the Jimmy G game three years ago, which I was at, when they lost to San Francisco away, and then they lose to Brady at home and Jimmy G at home. It's been four times. So don't give me this, oh, they're lucky to be a player. Four times he's been at, uh, since 2010, they've had either the one or two seed and played at home and lost at home when they've been a heavy favorite in the game. People say, well, they don't deserve to be in the game. If it wasn't for Rodgers, they wouldn't be in the situation. Well, then why in the world are they still like a five or six point favorite anyway? So they're a team that's that's not even considering the regular season. They should be built for the playoffs. Like their division stinks we should be going to the playoffs every year that's when the season starts for these guys and what's it you know the last couple of years it, it falls off the wheels it falls off the wagon well I, I would say for the last 11 years it's yeah. funny, guys, I'm not I think Rodgers has shown this a bit, just since that one Super Bowl he has not played well has not raised his game and that's why I love Peyton Manning and everyone kept saying well Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback Peyton Manning was a better regular season and a better postseason yeah. quarterback and I just again this whole concept around Aaron Rodgers being this super elite quarterback and the best quarterback of all time that's where I think he's overrated I think he's a good quarterback but I'm telling you I just you have don't, to win big games you have to win these games and you have to win the games when you're favorite and you have to compete in them and this was not a competitive game and you saw like Josh Allen like he's still throwing the ball they're trying to get away trying to make the plays Aaron Rodgers does not play anywhere like he plays in the regular season yeah it's great to be Chicago and when he runs around and beat Chicago says I own you I own you well San Francisco should say we own they you own we're, we're 4-0 <laughs> like it's just, he talks the big game but doesn't deliver for someone who I mean Brady should talk like him Brady should say I have seven Super Bowls you know he doesn't talk like that whereas that's where I think that's where the issue is with Rodgers is that he talks like someone who's won seven Super Bowls and you've only made been to one his career playoff record 11 and 10 you know what Tom Brady says 31 and 11 <laughs> big difference there in quarterback when it comes to the playoffs let's go to the next game arguably the best football game I've ever seen Ira last night the Chiefs and the Bills and before we even talk about this think about what we just said about Rodgers and then apply it to Mahomes Mahomes wins big games this is what he does is wins playoff games when he needs to he's great in the regular season too like Aaron but you know what's he going to make potentially his fourth straight AFC championship in four seasons as a starter yeah and the only games he seems to lose to is to Tom Brady I mean yeah. it's the only one he loses to and in one game he lost because of an overtime when he didn't get the ball in overtime I mean it's it's unbelievable Mahomes Holmes' performance um, and Josh Allen and, and I, I'm, we're gonna you know when we talk to Andrew later I'm gonna mention I'm gonna say this again to him uh, I, as a Steeler fan and as anybody in the AFC when you see these quarterbacks how they are so mobile so strong so ability to run around the pocket create how are how are these other AFC if you're an AFC TFC team like what do you say how are you gonna pee with these teams yeah. like I mean I'm afraid as a Steeler fan like who are we gonna get like there's nobody that we're gonna get that's gonna compete with this that we're gonna say okay we're gonna be in a shootout we'll play this like is that, we're gonna get blown out and like even if you're lucky and you say you beat buffalo how are you gonna beat kansas yeah. city like you're gonna have to beat all these people 
This is hard. It's going to be, I mean, it looks on paper like it's going to be the next decade of AFC Championship games. Bills versus Chiefs. I mean, Bills versus Chiefs, maybe Cincinnati gets in, and Justin Herbert is sitting in. Like, yeah. All the good quarterbacks are in the AFC, and that's what's good scary. Good young quarterbacks. Good young quarterbacks, and that's what's concerned if you're Cindy, if you're Miami, if you're yeah, Pittsburgh. Like, what are we doing? I mean, even Baltimore. Like, Lamar Jackson's not going to be able to compete like this. I mean, if you're Cleveland, like, are you going to be able to do this? Like, I just. Yeah, how do you sign Baker Mayfield to the big extension that, that he's due to get it, when you're looking at what's right across the right across the uh, the conference first time ever in a game uh, both quarterbacks had 300 yards three touchdowns and 50 yards rushing so that's what you have to deal with when it comes to these guys but let's talk about it I, like, I don't know if I've ever seen a better game than this well I the first half I'm listening on the radio so it was 14 14 and then Casey goes up you know 17 Casey goes up 23 14 they scored real fast I mean it was like on five plays it was like the Steeler game you know, where they sort of just took a while for Kansas City to get going on this great offense where Kelsey Pringle I think the fact is that he's getting able to get everybody else involved. You see the difference between Green Bay. Mahomes uses Hill. Mahomes uses Kelsey and Hardman and Pringle. And it just comes it doesn't matter who angles. you are. Yeah. That's where whereas it's, it's like for Green Bay. You gave me the stat earlier. What was the stat about him? Uh, besides uh, Devontae Adams, he had six passing yards to wide receivers. One catch was all that was made by people not named Devontae Adams. It's, it's just unbelievable. And then, uh, uh, then it was. But I think the Bills. Then the, you know the Bills came down. They had a seventy-five yard pass to Davis. I mean, all these big plays. I mean, to make it 23-21. And then Kansas City kicked a field goal, made it twenty-six twenty-one. But then the Bills had that seventeen play, seventy-five yard, seven oh one drive. I mean, it was a fourth and four, a fourth and thirteen, and they threw the touchdown to Davis, twenty-nine twenty-six, with two minutes to go in the game. You're like two minutes for Mahomes. I mean, that's. He could go up and down like if he had to score three touchdowns in that time, he probably could do that. So, but then with then they throw the sixty-four yard pass to Hill, and we've seen Hill struggle at the end of this year. He had to be hurt. There's this Hill that we've seen in the Steeler game, and now this is a different Hill. This is, but this is just now the explosion is back. I mean, this is where the Hill that you know just it's you like you're like you're he's unstoppable. He's so fast. He just literally you throw the ball to him and just runs past everybody. And uh, you wonder if who's faster, Chase or like I just it would be amazing to see them in a race and then the but then they scored but then Bills come down and uh, and they were able to score you know a touchdown the pass to David was just amazing so again they, they uh, you know 64 yard pass to go to go for the touchdown the Bills come down and 13 you know be able to score on the fourth down like, it's just crazy that they're able to score 13 seconds left and then the question is you know they kick the ball to Hill they kick the ball kick the ball if they don't squib kick it it's like almost like the Bills relaxed. They thought they had, they thought it was over. Like it was. I thought it was over. <laughs> but I just thought with three timeouts, like I did think the way, again, the rules are that the ball used to be on the 20 and now it's a 25. So if you squib kick it, you could lose like three or four seconds, get it to the, with nine or eight seconds to go. And then that would have forced Mahomes to have like throw it to the 50 and then maybe have another chance. I I thought it was, again, I, anything with the offense and the firepower the Chiefs have, I I'm almost blaming I sort of blame the Chiefs from the time before. I mean, they they let the Bills go down and score so quickly. I mean, Mahomes goes down and scores, and then the Bills come down. I mean, they scored 25 points in two minutes between both teams scoring back and forth. You know, I was watching uh, with my wife, and I said when they scored, with the, you know, a minute 54 left to go, I said they just left him way too much time. They probably didn't want to score a touchdown there. She's like, why? I'm like, because the other team's going to get the ball back. Who knew they were going to score three more times? Well, they went and scored period. in a minute, and then the Bills scored in a minute, and they scored in 19 <laughs> seconds. And then you knew when it went to overtime. And then the question is you the overtime. Whoever got the ball first was going to win that game. Those offenses were just flying. 
I, you know, I, everyone doesn't like the college overtime rules and the pro overtime. The rule is that if you score, get the ball first, you score a touchdown, then the game's over. They it used to be if you scored a field goal, I'm glad they changed that rule. Yeah. The question is, is that fair because you just win the coin flip? And that's how a few years ago, that's when Brady got the ball yeah. in Kansas City. The only time he's lost at home in the playoffs is Brady got the ball, drove down, scored a touchdown, and then Mahomes never got the ball. So, and Josh Allen never got the ball at the end of the game. But I guess, I mean, there's so many different ways you, you know, keep playing. Again, they, they don't want the overtime to last so long. That's why they cut it in the regular season. When Steelers tied with the Lions, they cut it from 15 minutes to 10 minutes. So you wonder, you know, how that's going to happen. There's 100% going to be a change to the overtime rules this offseason after this game. Has it, to be. It seems to me, and also it just seems to me it has to be because uh, it seems at the end of the game, the person, the team, like the, who gets the ball is just going to score. And it's just now you're just dealing with who's going to win the coin flip and, and, and go from there. So it might, you, you want to feel like you have to give the other team a possession. But it is weird. College and pro football have very similar rules. There's a couple rules where they, and their overtime rules are completely different. Yeah. And this is the one area. And I don't think there's any emphasis in the college, pro game to go to the college rules where each team is given the ball from like the 25 and see. I, I don't think there's any. They, I don't know what they're going to do. I can see go to the 50. Start from the 50 and go from there. You know, and give each team a possession. It's just, yeah, you can't have like I, I knew in my head the coin flip was going to determine the game. You couldn't stop Allen or Mahomes. So whoever got it first was going to win. And, you know, we talked about uh, throwing the ball to different. Look who Allen used as wide receivers. Diggs had three. His star wide receiver only had three catches for the game for seven yards. He was throwing to Davis and Beasley and all these other wide receivers. I think the key is the way they ran sweeps for Allen. The ability for Allen Mahomes when the defensive lineman got into the backfield, and this is what Burrow could even do, is like there were plays where their offensive line completely abandoned them <laughs> blocking, and they were still over to create space and to run around and to move around and to then make the pass. I, it's just that both played so well. It's just, I mean, it, it's just it, tremendous. And it was just, that's what I was just, you're blown away. You're like, how in the world is a defensive lineman going to get these people? These are athletic defensive linemen that are some of the greatest athletes in the world and they couldn't that's how you know Mahomes and they're different players Mahomes is smaller but so elusive and just but is able to go and create and see this the field better wide receivers I think he's a better wide receiving core but Josh Allen is just his ability like there's times when instead of just running out of bounds he'll just make a great pass and buy him these wide receivers time and his wide receivers keep working to get open putting more pressure on the defense completed uh, passes to eight different receivers so you know just goes to show you Rogers had two <laughs> two different receivers. Um, let's go to Andrew Catalan here on Iron Sports. This is Ira on Sports 95.9, 106.9 in West Palm Beach, and we're honored to have back on again the CBS announcer, football announcer, Andrew Catalan. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for coming back to uh, talk to our show and to talk about maybe the greatest weekend of NFL games ever. <laughs> Yeah, Ira, what an amazing weekend. Thanks for having me back on. And I don't see an argument to, to the contrary. I mean, every game decided on the final play of the game. You, you can't beat that. Yeah, I mean, to go in first, let's, let's the Cincinnati-Tennessee game, uh, that was just, it was like one of those games where, I mean, again, when you, the teams have the bye, Tennessee and Green Bay, you thought that was going to be a huge advantage. And but Cincinnati was able to, to it seemed like control the game and take advantage of Tannehill's turnovers and, and his interceptions at the end. And I really think, in my opinion, it was the special teams. Uh, they drafted a kicker in the fifth round, Evan McPherson, and he really came through throughout the entire game making big kicks, whereas uh, Tennessee was not able to have their kicker make those kicks. Yeah, I think special teams uh, overall on the weekend played an underrated part in all of these games. I think it was a, a huge factor, and you pointed out the Cincinnati kicker uh, McPherson just uh, 
so clutch and so confident really throughout the whole year and it showed up on Saturday in Nashville and you know I had the Titans in week 18 uh, against Houston the, the game that uh, prompted them to clinch home field advantage and you know a really impressive defense really strong coaching but their offense was a little uneven this year and there was times like in week 18 when Tannehill played spectacular football and there was other times where they struggled I mean we even we saw, we saw that even some wins and in December, like the San Francisco game, they didn't play great on offense, but they figured out a way to win. And you know, this was one of those games where their offense didn't bring its A game. I, I agree with you. I think maybe the week off hurt this team a little bit. It did give Derrick Henry an extra week to get healthy, but you know, they were in a pretty good role going into the playoffs, and uh, that offense just never fired. So you, you know, you give your uh, you tip your cap to Cincinnati. I mean, to go on the road and win that game i give them a lot of credit and they're going to be a fun team to watch for a long time in the afc yeah when the score was 16 16 uh cincinnati had the ball burrow had his seven sack he ended up having nine sacks for the game and then tennessee got it down as fourth and one they had a chance for a 53 yard field goal but they gave it to henry and i think getting him stopped so they had the two chances 16 16 henry was stopped on fourth down and then tanny hill threw the interception uh uh to logan wilson and the second time they had the ball yeah no good points and you know, I think that's going to be a game that Tennessee is really going to kick itself for a long time. Again, not taking anything away from Cincinnati, but when you're the one seed, you're at home, you've got Derrick Henry back. You know, you, you know, this was a team that, that expected to play for the AFC Championship game this upcoming weekend. And I think that, you know, obviously every team is disappointed when they're knocked out, but I, this was a really good chance for Tennessee this year. Uh, especially with home field. And, and there's a lot of regrets that they're going to have about what happened on Saturday. But I don't see them moving on from Tannehill. I mean, it, it seemed like he played well enough this year in games, and they're sort of expecting it. I mean, I think some people are saying, oh, get rid of Tannehill. But I, I just don't see them moving on, especially next year, uh, I, you know, unless you know, Aaron Rodgers wants to come play in Tennessee or something. Yeah, I agree with you. And look, I mean, you know, I think Tannehill's done a really good job since coming to Tennessee. The record speaks for itself. And um, you know, that team, especially on offense, was not at full strength the entire year. I mean, you could count on one hand the, the number of games that Tannehill, Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown uh, played together. I mean, they were just in and out of the lineup the whole year. And I think that hurt them a little bit, especially here on Saturday. It's not to make an excuse. I still think Tannehill is a very capable quarterback. I, I still think no matter what, Tennessee's going to be built around Derrick Henry. And Tannehill's a good complement to that. But, you know, they had a chance at home on Saturday and didn't get it done. And you know, they're going to have some big questions to answer in the offseason about, you know, some of their offensive line is aging. You know, how do they want to approach that? And can they bring some of these guys back? Because they do have some good core pieces that are going to be pretty pricey. So they have some decisions to make. And, and uh, you know, I think they have a good, good leadership there. John Robinson, the GM, and Mike Rabel, to me, was the coach of the year this year. So, I think they have good pieces in place, and it's just now putting it all together. And talk about a team with questions is the next game on Saturday was Green Bay, San Francisco. And I love statistics. And when you look at some of those stats in the middle of the second quarter and, and you have a team with minus 10 yards, which San Francisco had, and the fact that they, I think they completed their first pass with five minutes to go in the, in the second quarter. Just, it, just amazing the fact that they were simply out of this game, could not get anything going offensively. 
And then, but but the inability, you know, you expect in a game like this, to, Green Bay to be up 24 to 3, running away with this, coasting. Uh, and I think that's where the criticism of Aaron Rodgers comes is the fact that he was not able, you know, you can complain about special teams and about those things, but Aaron Rodgers was not able to get that distance and score those touchdowns besides that first drive really mounting nothing the rest of the game. Yeah, clearly special teams mistakes by Green Bay, but when you ask me to sum up the game, I would do it the same way as you. I mean, the offense didn't perform. I mean, you expect so much more from Aaron Rodgers in that offense, especially coming off a, a week off, especially with Matt LaFleur. A lot of people thought he should be coach of the year for the way that he put together the Packers and the way that he dials up that offense. So to me, that was the story. And a lot of credit to the San Francisco defense. They played well. They've had a good system in place the last couple of years with Robert Sala as the defensive coordinator, then moving over to the Jets. But now they got the Miko Ryans. I mean, they, they, have, they have some really good coaching and leadership, and they have some very talented players. But, you know, to me, this is a, this is a Packers offensive failure in this game. And there's no excuse to, to not get in the end zone more than they did. And, uh, you know, again, another long winter coming for Green Bay fans especially when we saw the fireworks from both teams on Sunday. And then you thought about on fourth and one, San Francisco stopped at this. It was six minutes and 14 seconds ago on the 19 and Rashawn Gary stops them on fourth and one. And you're like, I said, the game's over. There's no way you're stopped on fourth and one and green Bay goes three and out. They get the punt blocked and they go three and out again. So the last six plays were four incompletions. Uh, one, it was just, it was just, that was the, and you're seeing these other teams score in a second. And, and it's like, all you're asking Aaron Rodgers to do at the point is just get a first down, just get a first down, do something. And, and, and that was what I think was surprising. And then that last throw that he threw to Devontae Adams, which is like this 50 yard pass. It seemed like a desperation throw when really you just needed a first down. And there was other players that I think Lazard was open. Other players were open on that play. It's just very weird ending of the, of that game. Yeah, very sloppy. And, you know, and, you know, San Francisco hanging around as long as they did, that, that's, that's it's exactly right. I mean, they, they could have folded up the tent in the first half. Nothing was really going their way. But the Packers could not put them away, and, and there they are. I mean, I think Kyle Shanahan's an excellent coach. And, you know, a lot of people take shots at Jimmy Garoppolo, and I understand it. But he, he found a way to come out on top in the end, even though it was, you know, more about the defense and the special teams miscues and, you know, the inability of the Packers' offense. But they had their chances. They didn't capitalize. And, and a lot of times in January, that's, that's all you need, just to keep moving on another week, uh, survive in advance. And that's what the 49ers did. Right, right, and that. So, I guess, what's your opinion about uh, about Aaron Rodgers and where it seemed it seemed different? It's you know, it just I have a feeling that the way this ended, I, I just what's your feeling is where he would go? Is he going to would he inter- interested to stay in Green Bay or is he going to go move on to another team? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a hard guy to figure out. Right, I think that's where <laughs> that's where we should start. I mean, I don't know if he knows what he's planning to do, but I think that if you try to read the tea leaves with him, it, it gets dangerous because. Um, he's a tough guy to figure. I mean, I, you know, I did did watch the post game press conference, and you know, it does seem like that whatever um, animosity he had with the team in the front office in the last off season, it seems like that's diminished to me. Again, from an outsider perspective, it doesn't seem to be as strong as it was before the year. So, if you're a Packers fan and you want him to come back, which I assume you do, I think that's an encouraging sign. But if you were to tell me that he woke up tomorrow and wants to retire or if he's done with Green Bay, I mean, I would believe anything 
based on the way that he has kind of gone about his year and his career. I mean, it's just been a very, he's not a very easy guy to solve, and, and I don't expect many changes uh, in this offseason. I do like what he said, though, about you know, letting Green Bay know before the draft. I mean, you've got to have a plan in place before free agency, before the draft, so that, you know, you don't completely mess up the organization. So to hear him say that, I, I thought was, at least one thing that hopefully this won't drag out like it did in the past. And then on Sunday, I you know you've so covered so many of these West Coast teams coming East Coast and time zone or whatever. And boy, the Rams that first half they were they were on a roll. I was there in Tampa and saw it live, and it was just like it it, it could have been worse. I mean, they could have scored that touchdown at the end and made it twenty seven to three at halftime. It was like Tampa could do nothing on offense, and uh, and the Rams could do whatever they wanted on offense. Yeah, wow. What what a game. I mean, the the fumbles by the Rams, um, the mistakes, the snaps. I mean, there's so many things that happen in that game that you think back, like you need to watch it four times <laughs> to kind of remember all the craziness that happened and you know, the whole time in the second half all I was thinking about was the Super Bowl 28 to 3 Atlanta New England and just, you know, I think Al Michaels was was incredible just saying like well, why shouldn't we believe that this would happen? Like we've seen it before with Tom Brady and you just definitely got that sense that the Rams had all these chances, couldn't put them away, couldn't put them away. Tampa Bay's hanging around and, and then in the end credit to the Rams for making the big plays they needed to get to get in field goal range at the end. I mean, that was that was just remarkable uh, back and forth. And, you know, you thought, oh, that, that'll be the game of the day. And then we, and then we had the game of the year, maybe the game, the best game ever uh, later on. But, but that, was a, that was a game that we should not forget because there were so many twists and turns that made for an exciting start to uh, Divisional Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I was at the stadium and I saw fans, the Tampa fans started to leave like in the middle of the fourth quarter. And I'm thinking, wait, this is a Rams team that blew a 17-point lead to the 49ers just two weeks ago. And this is Tom Brady. So you have the combination yeah. of someone who always comes back and some team that sub blows the lead. And uh, it was, it was, I, I, what about the end? You know, I think that's what Arians was, I heard the press, co- the press conference at the end where he said, I thought once we got to overtime, we'd have the advantage. And I think that McVay going for it with those those passes to cup there, those two passes, the short pass, and then the long pass. That was the aggressiveness. That was, I think it surprised both Tampa Bay also that uh, they would they didn't just settle for the overtime and say, let's lick our wounds and, and see what happens in overtime. Yeah, I mean, I definitely was thinking, would Arians go for two? And, and I guess the rationale would be, like, you've got a team that's rattled in the Rams, you know, you know, coughing up that big lead. They're on the road. You have momentum on your side. You know, but but again, as we saw in the, in the last game, overtime could have came down to a coin toss as well as, as we saw with the Chiefs. So, you know, I think that was a really fascinating decision. Arians obviously decided the extra point, and then, you know, to me, you could tell me what happened and this is what should have happened, but you can never lose the team's best player in crunch time, and that's what happened with Cooper Cup. I mean, you know, to, to lose him on that last drive, like. You know, to me, that that's, a, that's just a bad job. I mean, I, I don't know how it happened. You always tell me the, the coverages and the guy slipped, whatever the case may be, and I heard the explanations. You can't lose Cooper Cup when he had this all-world season, and, and that happened, and, and to the Rams, they get to host the NFC Championship game now. And then you lead into, the, of course, the final game, and 
I missed the first half because I'm trying to get, I'm listening on the radio. So I'm driving to a sports bar after the game and, and got, just got there to see the whole second half. And I'm like, I'm, I'm mad that I missed the first half, but then I got to see the, the, you know, the craziest ending of a game between the Bills and the Chiefs. And I think the one thing is like, you know, on one hand, we're bashing the Bills for with the night with the uh, 13 seconds and how did you let that happen? But how many times the Chiefs gave up? I mean, the Bills scored two times. They, they, they converted two fourth downs on that drive. It was like 4th and 16 when they scored that touchdown. So you can criticize the Chiefs defense for letting the Bills go down and score. Yeah, I mean, that was an unbelievable game. I, I really do feel bad for the fans in the city of Buffalo because, you know, 13 seconds left, you think it's over. And you know, if you want to go back and second-guess any decisions in that game, to me, it's just the kickoff with 13 seconds left. Uh, you know, I, I think you have to kick it short to the five-yard line or squib it, if you will. You, you have to run, even if it's two, three, four seconds off the clock. You have to do that in that situation, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, you could, certainly the defenses for both teams did not make clutch plays, and these quarterbacks are just absolutely amazing. Uh, Gabriel Davis, phenomenal game. Tyreek Hill, I mean, that what a weapon he is and some of the things that he did in this game yesterday. So, but, you know, I, I go back to the kickoff and, and just wonder if the Bills would, would love to do over on that one because, uh, again, you should say your defense should not be able to give up all that yards in 13 seconds, but it would have been a lot easier if there's only eight or nine seconds on the clock. Right. I know you, you cover so many AFC games because of C, your coverage with CBS, and as someone who's a Steeler fan myself, I'm, like, watching this game and I'm saying – we have no chance. Like you have a conference, whereas the NFCs, their quarterbacks are getting older, and and you have the Wills, Russell Wilson, and you have the Brady's and the Rodgers. But in the AFC, you look at you know uh, uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. I mean, these are all you know twenty five and twenty six and under quarterbacks. And you're like, if you're a Steeler fan, if you're a Jets fan, you're like. Oh, I mean, we really, I mean, it's going to take a lot to get these, like, how are you going to beat, how is a Steeler quarterback going to come and they were playing at such a high level. You're just wondering what, how the Steelers will ever, I mean, my lifetime now, will the Steelers make a Super Bowl? <laughs> it is amazing. And, and I mean, you, you even mentioned the Jets, but I mean, like, obviously he didn't have a good year, but he was, Zach Wilson still the number two overall pick. You know, Mac Jones had a really good year. You, you throw those guys into the mix and you think about what the future is in the AFC, and you're absolutely right. I mean, to me, it's still Allen and, and Mahomes are in a class by themselves. But, yeah, I mean, Herbert is, is right there. Joe Burrow is right there and still playing. Um, so it, it really is amazing just the, uh, the talent in the AFC. And, and, yeah, if you don't have a quarterback right now, it's going to be hard to beat some of these other guys for a long time. And then looking forward to this weekend, the weekend's games, I know Cincinnati a few weeks ago had a shootout and was able to defeat Kansas City, but I think Kansas City just keeps improving and improving, and, I, and, and it just it seems to me with Cincinnati's offensive line just giving up nine sacks to Tennessee, I just don't see how Cincinnati can stay in this game with Kansas City, but what's your opinion of that game uh, this weekend? Yeah, you know, I, I would. I think that they're, you know, a deserving favorite, Kansas City, and and playing in that stadium is going to be a massive challenge because remember their first meeting was in Cincinnati, but you know I didn't give the Bengals much of a chance last month when they beat them. So you know, I, I think this is a team that is uh, in Cincinnati that's that's playing really well. They have a lot of confidence. I don't think they're going to be intimidated by the moment. I mean, Burrow doesn't give off that impression that he's you know, scared of the moment, and that makes them dangerous. 
Again, I would probably pick the Chiefs. They're a deserving favorite at home coming off an incredible game. But, you know, Cincinnati already beat them once, and then I think they're going to go in there with, uh, with nothing to lose, and, and, and that makes them a dangerous team on Sunday. And then in the second game, I was driving in today and I was listening to Bart Scott. I remember when, when the Jets won uh, and then he goes, you know, what, you know, uh, the next game when he made that comment about playing the Steelers. But he says, he goes, uh, uh, um, you know, the point was, though, that they were exhausted. The, it seems like the, like the Jets, he said he was making the point that we were exhausted. We were, you know, we had nothing for the Steelers. And uh, I just, you wonder if the 49ers, after this just great win over Dallas and the great win over Green Bay, like, I know they have the Rams numbers, but is, do they have anything left for the Rams who are now going to go back home? And maybe there'll be a lot of 49er fans there, but just, it seems like they might have just run out of gas. They might run out of gas. Yeah, I mean, you think back to the last week of the season when San Francisco was down big in a game they had to have just to get in the playoffs in L.A. and the comeback they put forward. You know, I think Shanahan, uh, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I think it's like six in a row that they've, you know, they've had McVay's number. There's a lot of history on San Francisco's side, but, you know, I think that uh, yesterday was the first time I really saw that Rams team with all the pieces they brought in Von Miller and Odell, it just seems like they're finally clicking and playing at home. And I know there was a lot of 49er fans there in Week 18, but playing at home, coming off the kind of game that they just had in Tampa Bay, you know, I, I think that, that that you know the Rams have a, have a really good chance here at home, especially knowing the Super Bowl would be on their field. I mean, there's a lot in their favor right now, and I like the momentum that the Rams bring into this game. Yeah, I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., the first couple games, he had that one big game and a couple touchdowns, but I think the Tampa Bay game was the first game where you really saw him. Just it seemed like he's now on a flow with staff. Remember, he came in the middle of the year. They didn't have a training camp, weren't worked together, but it just, I see how they're running patterns. And even on the sidelines, McVay, even when everything was going wrong, I saw McVay going over to Stafford and Odell and Cup and like, you know, getting those, you know, three and them with McVay together saying, this is what we're going to be doing. It just seems like it's, it's you know, he's just falling. Falling in now, getting much more comfortable into that offense. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100. percent And also, let's not forget about Von Miller too, because he was he was a little banged up when the when they got him from Denver and didn't really make a huge presence, you know, in the regular season. But he was a beast against Tampa Bay uh, yesterday, and you know, I think the two of them, the the energy that they've brought in, and just how seamless they've kind of now been assimilated into the system. Um, makes them a very dangerous duo. And, and, you know, obviously the Rams mortgaged a lot to get these. Well, not as much Odell, but they mortgaged a lot of draft picks when you talk about Jalen Ramsey, you talk about Von Miller. I mean, they, they've given up a lot to peak right now. Uh, this is their time, and, and you know, I think, they, I think they could take advantage of it. Well, Andrew, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been Andrew Catalan from CBS Sports. We just love when you cover the games and, and listening and certainly the Dolphin games. And I really appreciate you coming on and just giving sort of a summary of, I, I guess, one of the, I mean, it's fun for you. I guess you cover so many of these games and you have to be objective. And then when you're at home, you could just enjoy watching it uh, because I know you're getting ready for college basketball season now. So that must have been just a great, you know, four games this weekend. Yeah, it was, Ira. Thanks for having me back on. And, and you know, I, it's nice to just do what everybody else does and uh, sit up on the couch and watch these games. It was phenomenal theater. And hopefully two more good ones on Sunday. <laughs> yes, I, I'm looking forward to this. We're looking forward to listening to you on college basketball throughout the uh, rest of the season and the uh, college and the NCAA tournament. So thanks a lot, Andrew, for thanks, coming Ira. on. Thank you.
Great stuff, as always. Andrew Catalan from uh, CBS Sports here on IRA on Sports, True Oldies Channel. Um, before we talk about this uh, coming weekend's games, he mentioned that he likes Mike Rabel for Coach of the Year. Who's your Coach of the Year? Oh, that's a good question. I got to um, go with Zach Taylor of the Bengals. I, I, I would say... I would say Taylor. I, I agree with you. I think that I think that the fact that the Bengals had such the improvement and the growth, and when Burrow was hurt to you know last Played year, ten the, games last year, the in, injury, and I just think that you know, I think where he has. I mean, I know I'm, I'm sort of a prisoner of the moment with the playoffs. You're not yeah. supposed to take the playoff into consideration, but they did win the division. They did win yep. the division over the Ravens and the Steelers and the Browns. They were favored to be fourth in the division, and they won it. So yeah, probably Zach Taylor. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you like this weekend? Uh, first game up, I believe, is Kansas City. Um, they're going to be playing at three o'clock. So, what, what do you think is going to well, happen? And remember, a few weeks ago, the Bengals won thirty-four, thirty-one, and the Chase had that Great amazing game. game: eleven catches, two hundred sixty-six yards, and three touchdowns. But Burrow was sacked four times in that game by Clark and Chris Jones. It's like one of these things where you think Burrow's going to get sacked like ten or eleven times. A lot. Tyro Matthew was hurt. Uh, the Honey Badger was hurt the last game. Mm -hmm. Whether with a concussion, whether he's going to be healthy for this game would be a di difference. I just. I think the Chiefs can score whatever they want, and I think the Bengals, they can't kick field goals. Uh, McPherson, this is not where the special teams, they're going to have to be kicking, play, making touchdowns, and I think they're just going to give up too many points to Kansas City, and I don't think they can keep up with, with Kansas City. I haven't seen a line yet, but I'd imagine it has to be like six and a half. It's like seven, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, as much as I want Cincinnati to win, I couldn't put my money on it in, in good faith. San Francisco and L.A., Ira, what are you thinking here? I, I think L.A., I think now they've lost twice to San Francisco. It's it's hard, you know, but I do believe that it's at, not just being at home, I think that L.A. is just, it seems like I do take this thing when I mentioned that Bart Scott, that his comment was can't wait, uh, and then they played. I think that the the 49ers they just played the two, they cannot play a third game like that like i this could be a blowout like they i think they've literally left every you saw kittles limping off samuel Debo samuel's limping off i just think there's too much pressure and i think the rams are just getting better and better and better and i i i could see both you know i literally like going to last weekend i said i think we're going to have four really great games I could see two blowouts. I really could see Kansas City and the Rams both winning by like two or three touchdowns. I could see it, but I'm, I'm going to take San Francisco to win. I just, I'm not counting these guys out. And every time I want to bury them, they look great. You know, it's um, six times since the year 2000, a team's beaten another team three times in a season. <laughs> not easy to do. Once was your Pittsburgh Steelers over the Ravens. So uh, interesting stuff there. Australian Open, what happened? Well, where are we, I should we're, say? We're in the quarterfinals of both the men and, 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 the, and the women. Uh, it's interesting because Djokovic was ruled out after they had done the seeding. He was in the same side of the draw that Nadal was. And then Sasha Zarev, the great uh, uh, German player, he was knocked out of the tournament uh, earlier. So really, Nadal side of the draw. Monfils is playing Berrettini. Berrettini's the Italian player, very good, number seven in the world. Nadal is playing Shapovalov. Uh, Nadal should beat Shapovalov. He has a three-to-one uh, advantage when they played, and then he should beat either Monfils or Berrettini. So Nadal should get to the finals. It's the bottom half. Medvedev is playing FAA uh, from, from Canada. I watched them play in the U.S. Open. Medvedev won easily. I think he'll win that. I mean, Medvedev has won, won the U.S. Open last year and also was in the finals to lost to Djokovic in the Australian open. And then Sinner from Italy, who's 20 years old, plays Titsipas. This is going to be a great match. She's 23. Two of the best young players are playing in that other. The winner then would play Medved. But I really think it'll be Medved Nadal for the finals. And I'm, it's, it actually is shaping up great for Nadal because with Djokovic out, it sort of cleared its way for that. And then on the women's side, uh, Osaka lost. Uh, Goff actually lost in the first round. But uh, 
the Bills had a defeat, but Jessica Pugula, Pugula who is the owner's daughter of the Crazy. Bills, is she's in the quarterfinals now, and she's ranked, uh, she's seeded number 21st, and she plays at 3 a.m. this morning against Ash Barty, the number one seed. And then Madison Keys, uh, who has had it up and down career. I mean, she, remember, she's been to the finals of the U.S. Open, and but she's now playing great, and she's now, she's unseeded, but she's in the quarterfinals. Also, and Danielle Collins from America is in the bottom half in the quarterfinals. So of the final eight, we have three uh, women, Amer and women, three Americans in that. And what happened with UFC? Well, really, Francis Nagano played against Cyril Gain for the heavyweight championship. It was not a very good match. It was, it was to me, it was, it was, it was sort of boring to some extent. Then I realized Nagano blew his knee out, mm -hmm. and he just did this because he, he he felt like if he finished this, his contract is over with the UFC. He's looking for a big money fight, and he just he said I could be gone with with a with a torn knee. I think he might have. It. So it was like a weird match, and he actually just showed how great Nagano is as a as a fighter. And then the big match was Fig Davis and Figueroa for Brandon Marino for the Highway title. Uh, Figueroa won the match, and now they each have won a match, and there's been one draw. So they actually might have to now have a fourth. Rarely do you see a fourth fight, but because it's 1 1 1, they're going to have a fourth fight. So, Ira, you don't get a simple drive across the state for the next don't round. Don't tell of the me that. Come on. <laughs> You're going to have to travel. Any idea what the plan is yet? There's no plan. I mean, I've been to Kansas. The weird thing is, I was in Can I've been Kansas City, and if I go to the Super Bowl, you know, I, then I, I don't want to go to LA back and forth. Yeah. So this is really not a good situation in terms of what I want because I just it would have been nice to go to like Nashville because I've never been to that stadium. So there are different things that would happen. Tampa Bay winning was what the preferable yeah. thing. So we'll think about it. But the sad thing is, I mean, it looks like the Super Bowl prices are out of my league in terms of it's so impossible to go to the Super Bowl. Um, so this, I, I don't want this to be my last game. Like, there's only you know, I would like to go to one more football game this year been to so many i've enjoyed this football year from college to pro uh so i hope to go to one of these games we'll see we are out of time thanks so much to andrew catalan he's ira on mike let's talk next monday night ira on sports